0: Good day, everybody. This is Dana Massett. It's Sunday, the day of the full moon in January. I think the full moon is in Leo, so that's always spicy. So I'm sitting here, and I'm waiting patiently, I mean, with agitation, (laughs) to do this podcast. I love my family. I do. But I have two sons, a stepson, and a boyfriend, and two dogs, and being the only female in the house can be challenging. I love male energy. I love my own masculine energy, but sometimes it's just, oh my gosh, (laughs) you guys are annoying me. I can't take it anymore. Um, So they're actually going sledding, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stay home. You guys go sledding. I really want to do this podcast. And the house is just loud. It is really difficult to do a podcast really when anyone's home. So luckily, during the week, since I have a flexible schedule, I'm able to you know, record my sessions when no one's home. And it's not even that my mic will pick up the noise. The noises that I hear, even being on the lower level they're on the upper level it's just distracting and it pulls me out of the channel that I'm trying to tap into and communicate so that's one of my agitations before starting this podcast and the second one that has been making me resist this podcast that I'm becoming more aware of is this fear of authentically sharing my story and sharing all my stories. I have so many stories of my journey. And when my story has to do with my family members, it's like I feel like this choking sensation around my throat and near my heart, almost this feeling like I need to protect them so I can't share that story because I don't want them to hear this And feel bad about my experience with them or feel bad, um, almost like protect them from like being accountable. And when I share my story, it's never to throw someone under the bus. It's literally just to share a story for people to relate to my journey and to almost know what I've been through and through going through that, this is where I am right now. And to portray and kind of like expand that belief system that we can go through, I don't wanna say like terrible things, but we can go through our breakdowns. We can go through our disagreements. We can go through our moments of lack and trauma and rise again and even with you know when you talk about family you can go through disagreements and almost those points in life where maybe you take some space from a certain family member and there can be repair and there should be repair there definitely should be repair through family relationships in my belief system and what I pass on to my sons is always be authentic And be okay with someone else sharing their truth to you. You know, give them that space to share their truth. And always focus on the repair. I don't believe in family cutoffs. And I know I've said this many times. Unless there's physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse. I don't believe in family cutoffs. Like I said, unless it's unsafe. Because we all make mistakes and I think the important thing is to really be open and vulnerable and mature enough to forgive, but also be mature enough to understand what the other person's going through, understand the other person's perspective and own your part into it. Own your part. We are adults, so we should be mature enough and vulnerable enough to own our part. So I went to a healing circle on Friday and my intention that I spoke out loud was I really want to be vulnerable and share my story without fear. And my issue with doing so is I've been in this Since at a young age, so say 18 is when I really placed a lot of focus on this healing journey and went to my father's cranial sacral school, started to assist classes. Again, at this time, um, I'm getting my bachelor's in accounting, so I'm still doing your societal kind of goals and path that society kind of places in front of us, but I'm also doing this other stuff on the side. So at a very young age, I'm being pushed kind of like past your comfort zone, and I'm being shined in this light next to my father as a shaman, and I'm assisting classes, and when you're, say, like a teacher or an assistant teacher, there at least this was my experience, there was a part of me that I knew I could only be so vulnerable in front of these students because I, I just didn't want to make it about me and I almost felt like it was inappropriate. So there was this small part of me that felt safe to be vulnerable, but then there was this other part that woke up in me that I had to hold space for all these people. I had to be the teacher. I had to be the leader. So there wasn't a lot of space in that journey for me to be super vulnerable to the point of feeling safe in my vulnerability. And when I went to this circle, that's what I was expressing. I said that I want to learn how to, yes, be the healer and teacher, but I want to learn how to really receive and just feel safe and one with sharing my story, not having all these thoughts trying to manage it and contain it and protect my family. So that was my intention. So the day after, I could just feel something was breaking through at the same time. It was like this heaviness. So there was like this release, but then there was all this chatter in my mind. Like, well, what short story would I share first and how would I share it? And as I'm sharing it, would I still be kind of protecting them so then I would be holding back and it wouldn't come across the same way? So I'm going to a full moon ceremony this evening and I'm my intention is to just keep moving through that. And I totally feel like I am. I really feel that I'm kind of freeing my heart and I'm freeing myself to really do my healing and really speak about my journey and be okay with that and allowing the cards to fall where they're going to fall. And I trust because I know my family and friends listen to this podcast too. I trust that we're all adults and we're all at the point in our life where we can just like own our journey and move through it and allow everyone to like speak their truth about it and that's okay and know that when someone's speaking their truth about their story, it's most of the time and hopefully it's for healing purposes. Of course, there's people that maybe do it in anger and rage. So that's what I'm hoping. I do believe that everything we endure and experience on our journey is perfect and actually part of our soul's path. And that's always an important thing to remember as you're moving through your journey, but also as you're kind of reflecting on your journey and replaying it, is knowing that, yes, all of this happened, but there's always a higher purpose. And if those events didn't happen like that, you wouldn't be who you are now because sometimes wisdom is birth through the darkness, through the trauma, because it really pushes you to a point that you never expected. So it's kind of like a blind side, which through that, the light is able to pour in even more deeply. So it's like when you're really getting pushed down in yourself and falling apart and breaking down, the light is really able to shine in those crevices in your body that maybe stagnant energy was, or you were just holding tight and not letting the light in. I remember on my 27th birthday, which was shortly after my second husband left, um, and that was really, really traumatic and really hard for me, I went by myself and I got this tattoo on my arm and it says, I am broken, but the light that shines through my cracks makes me whole. And that's exactly what I was explaining. So it's about, and even in that moment, I, I knew, it's like when the traumas happen When the breakdowns happen, it's an opportunity for light to fill us up even more. So always remember that. But I remember growing up and my parents were together and they didn't get divorced. I think I was like 12 or 13. I really can't remember because it really wasn't significant because by the time they got divorced, I'm like, oh, you guys are just getting divorced now. Haven't you guys, like, not been happy for a couple years? Like, I was not surprised. And by that time, my father was also just, like, not home a lot. So it already felt like the divorce happened, like, years before. But I remember always feeling, and this was into my teens and 20s. I used to say, oh, yeah, I'm like a daddy's girl. Me and my father are really close. And it wasn't until... It wasn't until I would say like my late 20s, probably like late, yeah, late 20s to early 30s that I realized that I'm not daddy's little girl because even though my father and I have a lot in common, our personalities are very much the same, our goals are very much the same, our career paths are really much the same. Like when we're together, There's so much that is the same. Yet, of course, there's things that are different. But I would always feel and even, like, say, like, yes, I'm like daddy's little girl. We're, like, super close. And in addition to... In addition to, my father would always put me on a pedestal. So when he was, like, around his friends... Oh my gosh, this is Dana. We've heard so much about you. And his inner circle would also like reaffirm that your father adores you. So it kind of like fed that fantasy. But then when I got into my late 20s and 30s, I started stepping out of that fantasy because I started realizing well, how can I be daddy's little girl when like he just wasn't really there? Like he really wasn't physically there. He really wasn't emotionally there. He was kind of like on his own journey. And I love my father, but in the years, in the younger years, in the years, like the formative years, his career kind of like, took him into different directions and I always feel like when me and my sister were young was kind of like my parents were selfish there was a lot of partying at the house they did like a lot of social things and they were kind of I feel like and this is my story and this is my perception but I feel like their focus was more on what was going on in their lives versus okay we're a family now what do we need to do for these kids. It it didn't feel like the main focus was, was about the family, nor was it about the children that needed to be raised up. And then my father kind of had a midlife crisis, maybe around the time I was like 10, 11, 12. Um, and that's when he left the bar industry and also being a bookie and went into healing, which is a beautiful thing. And I'm so happy he explored that within himself and took that journey but with taking that journey when you still have little kids there is a part of you that's choosing you and not choosing to invest your energy and time in your children and being present for them and whatnot so we always have to make these choices and I'm a parent too so when I make these choices like when I decided to go back and get my master's like a year and a half ago I did have to really plan that and process that out. You know, is this going to work for my family? Is this going to work for my kids? Can I afford to be away from the house two to three evenings a week and not have it negatively affect my children? Because maybe it would be better for me to do that when they're even older than they are now. So we all have to make these decisions and During this time, my mom is in the healthcare industry, and she was either like a nurse working a couple jobs, or then she reached the executive level. And it was just her focus was a lot of career. So in the morning, she was gone by like five in the morning, didn't get home till like six at night. So we were kind of left to like make our own lunches, get ourselves ready in the morning at a very young age, and then, you know, like be home alone for a little bit till she gets home from work so there was a lot of independence like push to independence but back to the fantasy thing I started waking up from that fantasy like okay I am not daddy's little girl because my description of being daddy's little girl would be like a father that's always there physically always there emotionally there and just his kids are number one and his number one priority is being a father And that's his main focus, not himself, not his career, not his social circle, you know, now what's on his agenda. So that was a little, okay, that was painful, yet it was empowering at the first time because I noticed that was me. There was a part of him that I feel that was putting that fantasy on me because I'm sure, if I could have kept feeding that fantasy for him, I'm sure that makes him feel good and, and kind of like maybe soothes his guilt. You know, I feel like parents can be quick to feel guilty for their shortcomings and maybe me like feeding that for him that I am so close to him and we're so close and feeding that kind of like soothe that guilt for him. So I I stopped doing that because I had a realization like, well, he... That really was not his role in my life. And then I also had to examine, well, why was that important for me to tell myself that story? Whether my father put that story, you know, on me, like if he kind of like imprinted that on me, or I subconsciously created that myself, I really had to examine why did I need to do that? So obviously, I wanted to feel important and loved and special by a male figure, and of course we can you know go deep into that how that affected me growing up but it was so interesting how I did have that awakening and i was like well that really was not my reality so it was it was empowering to step aside and that didn't mess up the relationship it was more an inner process of me discovering Why I wanted to hold on to that story. Was it embarrassing for me that my father really wasn't around and was really kind of obsessed with his own stuff? Um, You know, and you do idolize your parents. You do look up to your parents because that's your world till you get older and then you discover, oh, there's a whole big world out there. But I also remember, you know, we all have wounds, right? And I remember like getting picked up by my father and me and my sister will talk about this too. And he would get brown's chicken, get fries and stuff like that. And he would just get it for himself. So we would all come home and it was like lunchtime. And he would get that for himself and he would sit. He made this bar where our living room used to be. Because again, they used to have like a lot of parties and stuff like that. And he would just sit there and eat chicken and not offer us any. So we would eat whatever was in the house. And he would like leave us a little fries left over And then my sister even said one time, like, she was trying to talk to him during this time, like, during when he's eating lunch, and he would just totally, like, ignore her. And so there was, like, this, even though my dad was there, like, he would pick us up from school in our younger years, there was, like, this pushing out. Like, yes, we all live together, but, and, and my dad always needs a lot of his own space, You know, like he he needs a lot of his own space and whatever that comes from from his childhood. But it was like not feeling seen, not feeling important and just not having that emotional connection and that emotional safety, you know, or feeling loved like, oh, my dad bought me lunch, too. Oh, we're all eating lunch together. Like, no, he totally wanted to eat lunch by himself and he didn't want to be bothered, you know, and it's like, hey, we just got home from school You know, like maybe we should all like be hanging out together, you know, whatever. But different things like that. So there was a lot of aloneness. Like when I think about my childhood, I felt at a very young, young, young age, I knew I had to take care of my own needs. So again, there was a lot of um, motivation and push for independence in my family, to be independent but there was also at a very young age that I knew whatever I needed I was going to have to give myself and I even remember and I don't have a lot of childhood memories and I don't know why I don't know if I kind of just checked out or if I was out of my body a lot of my childhood but there was also a part of me that was always chasing to be older Like, let me be older so I can work and, like, get out of here was the feeling. And create my own life. Like, this is just not the life I want. Not the type of family energy I want. So let me just, like, create what I want. Um, I remember when I was, like, three, sitting by the window and looking at the stars and asking, like, why did you send me here? Like, this doesn't even feel... it It didn't feel right. It didn't feel like the right match. And... I felt sad and I swear I was like three or four when this happened and I just felt sad like what three-year-old feels sad and is asking for like a different type of family and it wasn't there wasn't like abuse but it was almost like I need quality time. I need authenticity and I need a deep connection and I was born that way so when I was born into a family that wasn't super like touchy-feely, lovey, present, authentic, like speaking what's true, not hiding truths, avoiding, um, distracting, disconnection, like that, those were the energies of my family. So like my soul was crying, like what am I going to do? How do I fill up this hole now? How do I fill up this hole? And my mom so motivated. She was so motivated, so responsible, meaning um, career-wise. She was so career-focused and that was her thing. So again, I remember my friends' moms dropping them off at school in the minivans and then picking them up. And I remember having this thought, oh my gosh, I want a minivan so bad. And I want my mom to like drop me off at school and I want her to pick me up. And it, it was what I was really saying and what the feeling was, I really want a mom who's present for me. You know, I really want a mom that like sits there with me and just, she didn't have the time. Like she didn't have the mental space. Like what I remember of my mom She was so busy all the time and she would do a hundred things at once. Like she would work, had that long commute downtown, come home, rake leaves, mow the lawn, like and not stop till nine o'clock at night. Like she was such a hard worker, never complained, never complained. You know, she really, really did her best, but it was almost like there was so much to do. That there just wasn't enough space to slow down enough to be present. And I definitely don't think that's something that she was taught. You know, how to be present and really make, like, those connections, those emotional connections. Um, And those emotional connections don't have to have words. Those emotional connections can just be, like, holding that space and knowing that, like, your mom is that soft place to just, like, land all the time. So just very busy. And I remember... I did a hypnotherapy session many years ago and I was probably about five and I was sitting at the kitchen island and, and it was like morning time. But I was sitting there like eating my cereal by myself and it was almost like slow mo. Every, or no, it was like fast mode, actually. Everybody was doing their own thing. So my sister was already doing her own thing. Like I poured my own cereal, poured my own milk. My mom's already outside doing yard work. My dad's already doing something. Maybe he's at work. I don't know. And it was like I was just, no talking. It was just me by myself. So it was just, everybody was busy. It wasn't so much intentional it wasn't well do our parents intentional you know not giving their kids fulfilling their needs I mean I'm sure some parents are but it wasn't intentional it was life was so busy you just had to keep up with it and I don't think I think this generation and in this time period we're more conscious and aware of our children's needs and how important they are to be present with our kids and that quality time. I don't think in the 90s that was really like the vibe. I think the 90s was more about consuming and creating and like building the empire and the dual incomes were coming in and the family system. So just a different time. So I feel what's beneficial Is being able to track kind of like where the aloneness started, why it started, and then to begin to be able to fill those holes. So it's like, okay, say I have this like aloneness inside of me, the way that I used to try to fill those holes were through dating, through friendships, even through drugs for a period, maybe through alcohol, um, through work. And really like looking at those holes that we have and not being judgmental like you didn't give this to me or why couldn't you have more been this way? But it's like, it's almost like putting your hands in that hole that's in your body and what do I want to fill it up? You know, like I am okay. I am perfect the way I am right now. You know, so in try, instead of like trying to fill up those holes with something external that can always be taken away from us, you know, what do we want to fill up those holes with? You know, and that can be done through self-love, self-care, meditation. And one of my medicines were actually having my own family with my sons, with my two sons, In taking what I was given in my childhood and really reflecting on that and asking myself, what did I feel I was lacking in my childhood? So I feel like what I lacked in my childhood was that presence and that emotional connection and that feeling of safety. So what I did with my children is I almost like, When they were with me, because I got divorced actually when my kids were one and three. And when they were with me, I basically didn't work. Sometimes I would see a couple clients here and there. But it was, and I know not everyone can do this, but for me, I had to do it. I had to structure my life this way. Because I knew the things that I went through, I had a lot of challenges and I saw a lot and was exposed to a lot at a super, super young age. And I knew that I could really kind of set my kids up for success if I gave them that really strong foundation of emotional support, of presence, and just that bonding, like bonding year over year, having those deep conversations years over years. When you lay that foundation, your kids are always going to come to you and want to talk to you. Your kids are going to know how to process through life better how to have healthier relationships and not have to learn how to kind of undo those unhealthy relationships that maybe they were taught in childhood and saw in childhood or just weren't given the tools you can actually set your kids up with a healthy foundation and then they can thrive and when the struggles come It's not this like breaking down of struggle or year after year after year of struggle. It can be a moment. It can be a quick moment that they overcome and feel empowered by versus, oh my gosh, how many years is this going to take to heal? So I knew for me when I became a parent, that presence and that emotional connection and authenticity. And by authenticity, I mean not leaving the silence in your home which creates space for the children to make up stories. And when the children make, make up stories, it means they feel that they're to blame or there's confusion where they're like, well, what's the truth and what's right and wrong? And what's going on? And I think that is created when people are disconnected from themselves or avoiding. And avoidant is a common thing. Being avoidant of what's really going on. Like, okay, maybe we don't want to know the truth or face the truth. Kids can feel that. And that is scary. You know, so it's like you really, you need to handle your life. You need to really focus on not avoiding things because you don't want that space to be created where kids are creating their own stories and feeling unsafe and confused. You know, you really need to handle your life head on and work it out and be open enough with your kids to, you know, don't lie to them. There's some things that you might not, it might not be appropriate to give them the details, but I think it's more healing and less injuring to be honest with your children about what's going on because then you take the responsibility off of them. You take that adult sense off of them that they even need to think about it or process it. Like they shouldn't have that burden of having to process adult situations and almost figure it out for themselves. The parents should be processing and figuring out and communicate that with the child. And then the child's like, okay, But when the silence fills up the home and the avoidant energies fill up the home and there's that disconnection happening, the children actually then become the adults. And that's when it becomes inappropriate, you know. So when you feel those feelings or those wounds that you're carrying from childhood, it's good to take that journey to understand how they became that way in the first place. But to not live there, don't live there in that anger and that fuss, like that, um, festering energies and obsessive thinking about, oh my gosh, like if my parents did this, my life could be so much different because you're so called that forth. So you are actually with the perfect family and all is well. But what you want to do is like, okay, I'm an adult now. So what am I going to do with that feeling? So if it's aloneness, what am I going to do when I feel alone? Am I going to go to the alcohol? Am I going to go to the sex? Am I going to go to the depression? And I'm not saying depression is always a choice, but meaning am I going to sulk in the aloneness or am I going to do something maybe that's more healthy like go out with my social circle and feel empowered and lift up my soul or meditate or go to yoga or surround myself with loving healthy people not people that are bringing me down and maybe don't have the healthiest of habits because all these wounds can be healed and reprogrammed but it does take conscious effort. And also, working through these wounds is going to prevent you from kind of replaying the family energetic, replaying that story in your own family. So it's really something to think about. You know, are you going to let your childhood and your story empower you? Or are you going to let it disempower you and make you stuck? So it's it's just something... To process. And I think when we can own our story, we can be empowered and create, okay, this this is my story and this is what I'm going to do with it. You know, I'm going to raise it up a vibration. I'm going to raise it up. Not, I'm not just going to stay there and, okay, repeat that, repeat that, repeat that. One thing... um You know, like, when me and my father will go out, he'll say, oh, yeah, I had, like, a perfect childhood. And I used to call him out more. Now I just smile and nod. But I remember even being in healing circles with him, and he would say, you know, all these people are sharing, like, their hearts and vulnerability, right? And then it would get to my dad about childhood stuff, and he's like, yeah, I don't know what to say. My childhood was perfect. And I'm just, like, like puking in my mouth, and I hate to say that because that's, like, mean. But... Because for anyone to sit here in front of me and say their childhood is perfect, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And I know people that have had really good parents and really good opportunities. And they can they can sit here and be like, yeah, I really had really good parents. But this, this did happen to me, like, you know, whether it's bullying or do they have like a medical situation that came up. And they can come to the plate with a story of something that they had to go through in their childhood. And then they'll say, well, I had really supportive parents that were really healthy and really present in my life. And it just made it easier. But when someone comes to me and says, my childhood was perfect, I'm just like, bullshit. And who are you trying to convince? Because I don't, I don't even need you to say that in front of me. But that's not, who needs to hear that? I mean, like me as a parent, if my kids came to me and said, Mom, our childhood was perfect, I'm like, No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And why why would we what does perfection do for us? Perfection is not healing. Like, what does that mean if you need to sit there And you need to speak a truth that everything was perfect because that's not life. That's not the journey. That's not earth. It's not perfection. It's more imperfection. And the imperfection is what evolves us. So I do feel that there's something there unhealed. There's a block because even one piece of my father's story that I know, and I'll probably never know The truth about his childhood nor do I need to sit here and think that I need to know about it but one thing that was significant that is a significant trauma is he lost his brother so at the time it was just him and his brother and his brother had a cold so my grandma brought him not to the doctor right away because I think the doctor said no like just give him a couple nights or something don't bring him in it's probably just a cold Then he really, really gets sick like after a day or two and they bring him to the hospital. He never comes home to find out he had leukemia. And, you know, back then medicine just wasn't the same and the technology we have now wasn't the same and he never came home. So to my father as a child, it's like his it's like he lost his body. He never came home. It was not expected it was not expected that what they thought was going to be a cold was going to take his life and my dad was alone there wasn't you know he has many brothers now but at that time it was just him and his brother one brother so that alone is trauma so if you're going to sit there and say like my childhood was perfect that's not being authentic You know, whether he just doesn't want to process his childhood, that's fine, whatever. Um, But that's just something when, like, that is him trying to protect himself or protect his family. And what, for what? Like, it's just a story. It's just your journey, like if someone is going to sit there and have hurt feelings about you talking about something that happens, even though maybe the perspective is a little different from their perspective, we're all adults and we all know that this happens and we all know that there's pain and grief connected to that. And if someone's going to sit there and say, no, don't talk about that, that, okay, that's your choice that means you don't want to process it but you should also allow other people to process it the way they want to process it for healing so i always found that interesting yet a little disappointing because i i love people to feel safe enough to be authentic with their story and be okay that their journey was not perfect like we should all be okay that maybe everything didn't work out the way that we wanted And that there's no perfect person out there. And there's no perfect parents out there. And we're all doing the best we can. And that's the truth. I truly believe, besides the sociopaths and psychopaths out there that are parents and the narcissists, I truly believe every parent is doing the best they can. And again, like I said, there's some outliers out there that are truly consciously causing harm. But I really believe we take what we're given in our own childhood and with that small amount of time that we have before we actually have kids, we're trying to heal that and make the best of it and transform into the best humans we can with the circumstances that we're given. And we try to do the best we can. And hopefully, as we're having kids and raising kids, we're healing through that too. And having my own sons was my medicine of my childhood because like I said before I was so am and I still am they're 10 and 11 10 and 12 now I'm so present with them and I've always been authentic and honest with them when we would go through things And we would spend so much time talking about whatever they needed to talk about and whatever I felt that was important to talk about too and share with them. You know, like we're going through this right now and this is why we're going through that. You know, even when I got married for the second time and my children were pretty young when that happened too, I would say like three and five. And he left. Like we were fighting and we were having a hard time. It was our first year of marriage. Gee, it's first six months. And I remember being on vacation. And I'll tell this story more in detail on another time, but I remember going on vacation and coming home and he was packing up and leaving. So not only did I witness it, my kids witnessed it too. And this is a testament. My kids are so healthy and healed and balanced, emotional human little humans. We have gone through so many things. And this is a testament. If you are authentic with your kids and in integrity and open and loving and present, you can get through anything and they can be resilient through it. But it's that connection. It's that bond. I am their safe foundation foundation, and consistent, consistent, consistent connection. So as long as they have, and I'm not saying they don't have it with their father, but I can only speak for myself. As long as they have that cord to me, everything is okay. And that's what makes you resilient and able to just move through life and like, okay, laugh it off. As we should. And feel whole and feel healthy. And not feel like something's wrong with me. Is when you have that cord to your parents and they're telling you, yeah, this is life and everything's okay. So he left. um, And again, the kids were young. And that was it. That was it. You know, someone that I thought I was going to spend my whole life with and we were so in love. I thought he was my soulmate, my twin flame. That was it. Because we couldn't work through the fights. And oh man, we were like fighting so much and we just couldn't reach like a common ground. And even through that, through us, talking through that and I remember my son my older son said something he said well mom one night that you were at work I told him that I miss I wish my parents were still married so we could all be back together and my second husband at the time that triggered him because he didn't have kids and he really hadn't been through he was immature still So I think if that was said to someone who was immature and grounded and secure in themselves, they would have helped my son process that through and like lovingly held him through it. But since he was immature and just didn't have the tools, he actually like yelled at my son and took offense to it and didn't support him in like an appropriate way. Shortly after that, again, that's not the reason why he left by any means, not even 1%. Like we were fighting so much and we were like drowning in the fights and we just we couldn't make it work and he had enough and who knows what his story is but that's my understanding and when he left my son even said that like it's my fault it's my fault so even someone who's who's comes from like a good foundation those thoughts are going to creep in. And we would talk about it. We would talk about it again. We would talk about it again. And working through that, you know, like he thought that that was his fault. And I didn't know that that situation happened, of course, till he told me. And then I had to let him know, like, oh, my gosh, like his response was so inappropriate. And, of course, that's normal for your parents to want to get back together. I remember in my 20s thinking, like, uh, I wish my parents were just like still married. Because you hold, you. we have these fantasies. We have these fantasies about our parents staying together. And by them staying together, everything's happy and perfect and life is great. That's not the reality. It is not the reality that your parents staying together is always the best choice. Not that it can't be, but sometimes it's just not. So... My moral of this story is having the courage and bravery to flow back and reflect on your childhood and put name to the wounds, put name to where you feel there's lack in your life, because when you can put a name to it and when you have that awareness to it, the healing process begins, the empowering process begins, and you can start choosing your healthy patterns that you want to bring into your life to heal those wounds and make your life abundant instead of you feeling this lack. And also through being courageous to tell your story with love and kindness can actually be really healing to yourself and others because it gives other people permission to even think about taking that journey of reflection and also speak their truth. Like, okay, this, this is what happened in my childhood. And when I have kids, this is what I've learned to do a little bit differently because I knew I had these needs and I was aware of it. So I'm going to be aware that my kids have these needs and try to be there for them the best I can. Namaste.